0: Thanks to viewers like you and SassyGamers.com. Bard Rock Cafe can exist, I guess. So, like, you can find links to Sassy Gamers, our Patreon, and social media stuff in the show notes.
1: Just click. Thanks. Previously on Bard Rock Cafe, Rock finally made it to the Bard-Off. It was back-and-forth competition, but he eventually came out on top. In celebration, he drew from the deck of many things and summoned a Death Avatar! Instead of an actual fight, Brock challenged the Death Avatar to a fiddle contest. As Brock played what could be his final song ever, the silver harp of the god Malil appeared and joined him in a duet, besting the Avatar of Death. Now that Brock contacted his deity, what does that mean for the rest of Waterdeep? Find out today on Bard Rock Cafe!
2: Welcome back to episode 15 of the Bard Rock Cafe. Uh, last time, Brock Song won the Bard Off in a very flashy way. Won a special instrument, but more significantly, managed to make contact with his deity, which is a first in several days since all gods have gone silent. And now, they have returned as a group to the Bard Rock Cafe, the evening has wound down to a close, and now it's a new day. They are approximately, what, 2,000, 3,000 gold short of rebuilding the Bard Rock Cafe?
1: 3,000.
2: And the world is wide open for you. What do you do?
1: I think the first thing that's going to happen is when everyone wakes up in the morning, Brock has already been up for like half an hour and is coming back. And you see him, he's got these arms full of flowers. He's got two bouquets, one of roses and one of lilies. And he starts like knocking like, wake up, everybody. Paul, have you been thinking about this all week? I have had three weeks to think about this.
0: This is like something that you, like, just jumped out of
1: nowhere and were like, I got this. I got bouquets upon bouquets ready to go. Let's go. And also, for the audience at home, I'm still blue. Whatever that has to do with anything. Well, it's important to remember. Are you going to give Armbar a bouquet? It is Valentine's Day. That's really funny. Let's say he has four total. Uh, two roses and two lilies. He gives everybody a bouquet. And Armbar can choose whether he wants lilies or roses.
0: Oh, you know that Armbar is going to go for the roses. He's a sentimental type. Just you wouldn't know it from the faint of eye.
2: Oh, Bus,
1: I can't believe you brought me these beautiful roses. The white rose, the most sentimental of all the types of roses. The most
0: beautiful in all the cosmos, And you brought it to me, of all people, I can't believe it. I love you, man. Here, Brock, you can have my bouquet. I don't know what to do with flowers.
1: Well, I brought them because these are the flowers that represent Malil, my god. And since I got a sign from Malil last night, I thought it'd be a good idea for us to go to the temple and present an offering. Maybe we can make contact with Malil where we failed to contact any of the other gods so far.
0: Wow, that
1: was f- confusing. Tyler, just making sure we need that explicit tag on iTunes. <laughs> uh, no, Mal- Malil is the go- is the patron god of bards And in my performance last night That silvery harp that appeared That's a symbol of Malil I believe Malil actually joined me When I faced off against that avatar of death last night So I think that Malil Might actually be able to help us heal the obelisk I don't see why not Why don't we give it a shot I mean if he likes you I feel like Brock song has an idea and no one else is following along, so you should just do it. Absolutely. Brock likes to take charge whenever possible, so, you know, right now, I also, unless Kenny objects, let's just say I gave Felix what I have of money so far, so I stopped having the 8,000 gold promissory note burning in my pocket.
2: So we'll say, first thing in the morning, Felix is at the Bard Rock Cafe, politely checking in. I just
1: dropped 10,000 gold in his pocket
2: before he even gets a chance to ask about his investment. You pay back 10,000 gold, and he says, Oh, wonderful! Well, I'm glad we're getting off to such a great start. So, I trust you'll have the rest of it shortly, but this is enough to get started on repairs, so thank you.
1: And that was basically how that interaction went while everyone was sleeping before Brock went and spent some paltry amount of silver on some flowers. All right, so if you guys are ready, let's go to the Temple of Malil, and should we grab Roshi along the way? I don't see why not.
2: Brooks cool with it. So, what are y'all doing?
1: We're going to pop over to the Temple of Ogma long enough to grab Roshi and ask him to come along with us to the Temple of Malil.
2: Okay. And what's Epi doing this whole time? Epi is coming
1: along with you guys. Epi got one of the bouquets of lilies, by the way. Okay. Ah, she didn't get no roses like Arnler. Unless Rook really wants the roses, Brock's keeping the other roses.
2: That's fine, I'll keep lilies, it's all good. Epi is absently carrying a bouquet of lilies in one hand as you guys make your way down the road. You reach the Temple of Ogma, and as you're approaching, you actually see Roshi coming out the front with a pile of books in tow. Like, these are a lot of books. They look pretty heavy, and he's kind of an older guy, right? So he's struggling a little bit, but he's, he seems very intent.
0: Armbar's going to help him grab all those books and
2: carry his books for him. Yeah. Oh, Armbar! It's good to see you again! Thank you! You're very looking, there, old man. You to me So, uh, what brings you back here? You're gonna on a journey with us, whether you like it or not!
1: The only person Brock knows that has more intensity than him is Armbar. <laughs> so Armbar, do me a favor, roll me an intimidation
2: check. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright. We're throwing dice. What'd I get? What
2: is that, 13? Yep, 13. So Roshi kind of looks at you. Now listen here, whippersnapper. You might be bigger than me, but I'm older than you are. So if you slap me, you're going to get arrested but I'm going to travel with you anyway because I
1: want to. <laughs> 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 That's exactly how I would be as an old man. <laughs> Don't mind him, Roshi. Armbar's not a morning person.
0: I need my cup of
1: coffee with a slate of cream. Immediately, I get like a water skin out and I trust to digitize it into coffee and hand it to him. Oh, my man. He knows my one.
2: He's awfully first thing in the morning for someone
1: who's not a morning person. He's just grouchy in the morning.
2: Right. Why do I need to travel with you?
1: You seem to know more about Tablet of Fate than any of us, and we're going to the Temple of Malil this morning. So whatever we might be able to learn there, I'm hoping I can contact Malil since I successfully seemed to do it last night, or at least I got a symbol of Malil. I'm just hoping, like, you'll be able to provide me insight, because frankly, what our party seems to lack is the brains department, and that is a strength you bring to us. Exc-
2: Excuse me, epi's over there just offended. I'm plenty smart, thank you.
1: You don't, like, an expert in wisdom and religion the way that he is.
2: You know what? That's fair. And Roshi, of course, is very just... He perks up as you mentioned Malil. He says, yes, I was very entertained yesterday, but also... You contacted your god. No one's been able to do that. That's what all those books are. And you see just the giant pile of books that, that Armbar is holding. They're all just tomes about Malil and history and religious rites and just all of that stuff, right? I was actually headed that way myself. So you see, I'm traveling with you because I want
1: to. It's fate. Thank you so much for joining us today, Roshai. I appreciate it.
2: My pleasure, let's go! And he just darts off ahead of you guys, leaving Armbar with a hundred pounds of books,
1: right? Oh, what's Armbar going to do with his other arm? My other arm? Because you only need one arm to carry that many books. I only need that one arm. The other arm's going to
0: chase after Roshi with
2: it. Get back here! I didn't say that it was going to hold all the books myself. What? I can't hear you! As he's darting down the road. And I just run along right behind him. Oh, <laughs> little. I mean, he's quick to dash his responsibilities. Okay, so with Roshi in tow, or possibly following Roshi, you guys make your way to the Temple of Malil, which the temple is less of a temple and more of a, a small shrine with a large, wide open area where just people of all types are congregating. There's people telling stories. There's people playing instruments and singing. It's a very Woodstock kind of experience.
1: I immediately lead everybody to the altar, and I signal them to put their flowers at the altar as an offering, and I kind of put mine down to show them that's what we're supposed to be doing. Okay.
0: Okay, yeah, I follow um, Brock's lead,
2: try to keep it somber.
1: It seems like Roshi knows what he's
2: dealing with. So Roshi seems to have some flowers of his own, roses. He puts them at the altar, he's the first one there, Epi follows suit with all of you guys. You put your flowers at the altar. the girl, she's like, comes up to you, Brock. And he's like, okay, we're here. Do the
1: thing. And I take out my new lute, which I totally attuned to overnight last night. And I hadn't been an active practicer in Malil in a long time. It's been a while since I've been there. So I took the time to learn up on one of the traditional songs. And I say, Malil, I will bring you this offering. Last night you gave me a sign. Please, I'm just looking for more guidance. And I start playing a, a song from Malil. Whoa. But we'll hear our prayer. Whoa! Listen as we share. We know you're watching and know you care. But we'll hear our prayer. All right,
2: roll me performance at advantage.
1: First roll was a ten plus eight is eighteen. Second roll is a five plus eight is thirteen. So it's an eighteen.
2: Okay. So you play pretty good. There are people here that are playing better than you are. But they do join in with your song almost like it's a natural thing and as you finish playing like some other people kind of continue the song and then it fades away over a a minute or so as people move on to other music that they want to play and they go back to talking amongst themselves and at the moment nothing seems to happen.
1: Well, it was worth the shot. The one thing I'm wondering is, Malil contacted me. Are the clerics of Malil able to use their magic, or are they still getting nothing?
2: Oh no, they're getting nothing. Nothing at all. Nobody is, except you, last night. In fact, in all of Wanterty, for several days, last night was the first time anyone got anything. What I'm saying, Brock, is you're the only one getting
1: any. You're the only one getting it, Brock. Takes me back to my years of the Bard College.
2: Hear some shouts and cheers, as you mentioned. The Bard College, kind of off in the uh, the thirty-something group over in the corner. That's it.
1: Yeah! And I do, like, the alumni cheer at them with my arms, postulate the way You would if you were, like, doing the wave in the crowd.
2: In the most over-the-top fashion, they, they do it with you. They're, they're the dude bros from the Bard College that never really got out of that phase of their life. Like, yeah, they're still there.
0: Rook's doing that thing where she's got her hand near her eyebrow, like, kind of, like, shielding her eye. Like <laughs> She hasn't seen such an embarrassing display in a while.
1: Armbar's dancing over in the corner by himself. <laughs> I sincerely doubt that Armbar's dancing by himself in a room full of Barts. Oh no,
2: they're- <laughs> That's legit, that's legit. So Armbar, you kind of stand out because bards; these are like the band kids, right? You have a, a crowd. Not a big crowd, but like, you're definitely the biggest guy here. Are they gringing at me? They're dancing with you. Oh, hell yeah. Describe your dance, Armbar, and then roll performance too. It's like a combination of the floss and some Michael Jackson shit. I can't even begin to picture that. Of all the dances the floss. I'm imagining the floss, but like while you're (laughs) moonwalking, and I just... Yeah.
0: Whatever you're imagining is what he's doing.
2: Okay. Roll roll performance, just to see how well you do the floss with Michael Jackson mixed in there. Oh, that's that's an ultimate failure.
1: Wait, is that a natural one? That's a natural one.
2: We're only two D-100s, please. Here we
1: go. I'm sure this will be fine. It should be our catchphrase for the podcast. Yeah, a 42 and a 48. While we wait for that to resolve, what does a natural one in the dance look like? Do you just straight up fall? It's so bad that it's good, right? Oh, it's like jazz dancing. You have to look at the steps he's not taking. <laughs> there's a moment where everybody's like,
2: is this guy for real? And then there's like, it evolves into everybody do the flop, right?
1: Real talk, everybody, the gif for this episode, when I put it up on Twitter, is going to be Elaine dancing from Seinfeld.
2: Nice. (laughs) Nice. What you all see, Armbar, your weapon is gone. What is your main weapon? My green axe. You don't see it. It's gone.
1: It's now a gone axe. It's a gone axe. Ooh,
2: bad. The way I imagine it in my head is somewhere in the midst of this dance, Armbar gets it in his mind that he wants to do a pelvic thrust in the middle of it. And he does that, and then there's a pop. And his weapon disappears the same instant he does the move, and he just is like, whoa, that's cool. And then they're like, hey, you know what you're doing, but not really because you're still kind of bad, but we're, we're digging it. That's exactly how it happens. So what what else happens? I mean, you're dancing, your weapon's gone.
1: You don't know where it is. Do I have all the ladies on? I'm sorry? He wants to know what his entourage looks like. Yeah, what's my entourage?
2: Your entourage right now looks like your favorite band's worst fans. <laughs>
1: To try and salvage this, Brock immediately starts dancing himself and, like, does that thing where you kind of, like, dance walk into the dance circle and starts dancing to try and make Armbar look better by dancing better. (laughs) Okay. Armbar lets you roll another performance check since you're being assisted. Wait, it's my... (laughs) Like, you know, like, how, like, when someone's doing really badly, but someone else joins in, like, oh, this is a fad now? I'm doing that. I'm trying to make your dance look better by mimicking it, but with my bar dancing skills. You
2: are helping his performance.
1: It's so funny they because, like, I went from course. a 1 to a 15, okay. so it didn't help. So,
2: me. consider it salvaged. You're still not the best dancer, right? I can't floss, but I can sure pelvic thrust. There you go. <laughs> Two per dance. That's, like, the limit, right? Anything more than that, and you're just one of the guys. Just don't do that. Rock Soul! Hey, yeah! Hey, yeah! Pelvic thrust! As you guys look over, you do see Roshi dancing as well. Did he do the floss? Yes, but not as good as you.
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> yep, he did more like the toothbrush. The yep. <laughs> toothbrush.
2: But yeah, nothing nothing divine
1: happens. At this point, I want to rendezvous back with Roshi. All right, so what do you think we should try next? Should we speak to the head cleric here, or do you think we should let you hit the books first and try something else later?
2: Your guess is as good as mine. This was probably what I was going to suggest, actually. Singing and dancing and playing. That's what happened last night. That's what worked. It didn't work again today. So I was
0: just watching, Rook is asking Brock, I was just watching Brock, could you remind me exactly under what circumstances did the symbol appear?
1: As I recall, that shadowy figure that I was pretty sure was there to kill me came out of the shadows, and when I started playing my fiddle against theirs, Malil sort of came to me as a symbol, like they personally were invested in me winning.
0: Oh. I was thinking, like, if there was some kind of triggering event.
1: Why don't we find the head cleric, explain to them what happened, and maybe they can provide some insight, because they specialize in Malil specifically.
2: So you find who you would assume to be the head cleric. It's actually just the janitor, who is very overworked because
1: the Temple of Malil. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you had us roll a two on that on your own. (laughs) That's our investigation check to find the head cleric. Yeah, you find the janitor. He's an
2: older, wizened-looking guy. He's just tired. He describes the guy with the braided blonde hair, green eyes, and he, just, he gives this description, right? And he points over in a general direction, but there's still, like, 20 different people that match the description he gave. But eventually, you're able to find him, right? And it's it's this kind of mid-20s guy. Like, he's still a young guy, and he's like, hey, how can I help you? What brings you to the Temple of Malil? Unfortunately, we still don't have spellcasting services. I'm sorry for that Anyway. How can
1: I help? And I star right to explain to him what happened at the Bard rack last night.
2: Roll persuasion.
1: That is a 12 plus 6 is 18.
2: Okay. He seems like he doesn't believe, but he's willing to entertain your claims for a little while.
1: And I point out that I have witnesses that also saw the harp there and point to all of them, including Roshi.
2: You are making some very intense claims. He is predisposed not to believe you. He says, alright, so let's say that I believe this happened. What do you need from me?
1: Why are you here? I'm trying to figure out why Malil would choose to contact me when they're being silent right now. And I explained to him about the Tablet of Fate and the weird celestial sigil on my chest that summons the deck of many things and how I ended up summoning the deaf avatar in the first place.
2: There's a long pause. Go ahead and roll another persuasion check at disadvantage. <coughs>
1: First roll is 8 plus 6 is 14. Second roll is a natural 20, but it doesn't matter.
2: Okay. This guy, all right. So you have a Tablet of Fate in your basement, and it gave you magical powers, and you managed to talk to Malil when nobody else in the city is able to talk to any god as you were fighting off an avatar of death. Do I have that about right?
1: Yes. Uh, I can summon the deck of many things if you don't believe me. Sure. And I just double tap my chest and he'll let my hand.
2: Okay. The deck appears in your hand. That's like, all right, that's a neat trick. That's, that's not the deck of many things.
1: I look at everyone. Should I draw a card? Hell yeah. The
2: guy's like, I'll tell you what, let, let me draw a card. How about
1: that? This thing is very sporadic. I would feel bad if something were to strike you dead.
2: Oh yeah, sure. Okay,
1: fine. Go ahead. You- and I draw a card. Okay.
0: Oh boy. You never know, you might get unblued.
1: That'd be awesome. The
2: card that you draw.
1: Oh dear.
0: Okay, uh
1: ha. <laughs> Brock looks very nervous. There's a rumble and then nothing.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. Alright.
1: Look around. It cause a tremor. I'm gonna call ahead and call that lucky, didn't do something worse. Right. Listen, I appreciate
2: a tall tale as much as the next guy. You put on a good show. You do. But unfortunately we need actual help in these times. Okay, there's people coming here for healing for any kind of help and we can't give it and false hope's not going to do anybody any good no matter how entertaining it might be and honestly honestly your delivery could use a little work i'm just throwing it out there so you know maybe go back to the bard college and practice a little more and then maybe try again later
1: tell you what since we're already here how about i help heal a couple of people since i can do that and most of you clerics cannot
2: how about you do that then you presumptuous
1: i'm gonna go ahead and i cast healing words i'm trying to proc wild magic
2: okay so you do proc wild magic. Roll a D100.
1: That is a 72.
2: Oh my god, okay. So you cast Healing Word. The spell fizzles, and from nowhere in particular, you hear a sad trombone. Go, wah, wah.
1: <laughs> Man, I used to have all the good magic last night.
2: There's just a deep sigh from the head clearing as he just leaves he just doesn't even say goodbye he just starts walking away jesus
1: i know and i'm starting to remember why i stopped coming here so often
2: roshi just turns to you what the hell was that you were so awesome last night this was awful this was terrible wow you're holding out he's like he's angry at you now right like he's got his finger wagging in his face you're holding out on us i need you to do better i saw a symbol of your god last night it wasn't a performance i know what i saw It's like very animated and agitated, right?
1: I'm gonna try performing one more time. See how I do. Is that okay? Pull out the lute. I start playing another song. And that is just an ordinary 11 plus 8 is 19. Okay. So slightly better than the first one.
2: Okay. As you pull out your lute, pluck at one of the strings, and it breaks. It goes, I
1: just got this thing.
2: And then you hear a sad trombone go, wah, wah.
1: All right, so that's not going to work. I'm going to restrain this later because I have a feeling that if I try restraining it now, it's just going to do that again because I'm becoming genre savvy to how this wild magic works.
2: You have no clue how long this is going to last either. I want to grab rock box and play it myself. Roll performance at disadvantage because it's down a string. I grow the natural one. <laughs> Roll, first of all. Roll two D100s and let me know what happens. All right, a 95 and an 82. Which one would you prefer? 95. Okay. For the moment, your athletics and history bonuses are swapped.
1: What? (laughs) You suddenly know a lot of stuff and you became really scrawny. Yeah. Athletics and history?
0: Oh, no. (laughs) They're completely opposite. I have a plus six athletics and a minus one history. Yep.
1: Oh, God. This cannot happen. (laughs) So Brock just takes the guitar back. Is like, it's fine. Well, why don't we just let Roshi do some research? Maybe he'll come up with something else, and maybe we should just, first of all, go have my guitar restringed, and then maybe we can go, and I remember Epi mentioned something about bandits yesterday.
2: Oh, yes. I would like to go get the bandits that are taking all the healing supplies. I feel like that's the most helpful thing we could do, and it's the right thing to do.
1: So is that plan good with Roshi?
2: Sounds good to me. I'll just stay here reading books.
1: You're the man, Roshi. Yup.
2: Roshi is just beyond disappointed in everything.
1: So is Brock, to be fair. As far as Paul, the role player, is concerned right now, Brock had one good signal. I'm in a cell phone bar, sent a single text, and now he doesn't have a signal again. The next step is go get the guitar restringed because it's actually necessary for me to have my full arsenal before we go fight bandits. Where to? The instrument shop that Epi teleported to at the end of episode three.
2: Oh, sure. I know how to get us there. And Epi just kind of leads you back there. It's not hard to find. On your way... To the instrument shop, there is an explosion in a house just nearby, and the house is suddenly
1: just on fire. We should skip it. No, we should not. So Brock is going to pull out the loot. While holding the loot, I'm going to cast Protection from Energy Fire on myself.
2: Okay, so you cast the spell. It seems like whatever disaster has fallen you has worn off. You do not trigger Wild Magic, so you have that
1: spell effect on you. Right, and I immediately run into the burning building to see if there's anyone in danger and help them.
2: There's a lot of coughing here. Multiple people in the house. It's smoky. Go ahead and roll a perception check.
1: That is 14 plus 2, 16.
2: Okay. So you see two children that are just there. There is some body that's just on the floor, right? Just laid out. can't really tell any details because, it, again, it's very smoky. There was just an explosion But that's what you see. It's not a big building. It's like a one-story house with, like, a few rooms in it.
1: You said there's two children. Are they pinned down by anything? Nope. I want to check on the other person and see if they're still alive.
2: No. It looks like they were burned heavily and they are dead.
1: I say to the kids, come on, come with me. I'll help you out.
2: Roll persuasion.
1: That is a 17 plus 6 is 23. 23.
2: They're kind of like in shock of what happened, but you come across very friendly and authoritative at the same time. So like you're able to go grab them and pull them out of the house. By this point, there are people shouting for help. The guards are coming and blowing their whistles like something has just gone wrong, right? But you get out of the house and as you get out of the house, there's a lot of ash that's covering these two kids. One of them seems familiar to you. It's the girl that Eppie pulled out of the Bard Rock Cafe right after the meteor struck.
1: Huh. If I look at the house, does it look like there was anything that came crashing through the roof by any chance?
2: Nope. house is structurally intact, just on fire.
1: So I kneel down and I say, are you okay?
2: She's just staring at the house that's on fire. The other little girl is a little blonde girl that is just sobbing.
1: At this point, I'm looking for guards to see if any guards can help them, like, get to safety or anything. Because, like, I pulled them out, but I don't exactly have somewhere safe to take them because I'm homeless myself at the moment.
2: I mean, it doesn't take long for a guard to approach because, again, these kids look like they were just in an explosion.
1: Once I'm out of earshot of the kids, I tell one of the guards what happened to the parent figure I saw on the building.
2: There is a magister that has arrived. He seems to cast the same spell on himself, actually, and goes inside. You see him come back out with the parent figure recognize the parent figure as well. It's the little girl's dad. He was with her as well when the meteor hit the Bard Rock Cafe, but it seems like they're trying to get the fire under control. The guard is trying to talk with the two girls and see if there's anybody else in the house and they're not really responding. You see the magister kind of checking vitals on the dead guy and shake his head like, no. Nope. I look at Epi. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See Epi pull up her hood and kind of pull it down a little bit. She pulls out her holy symbol of the Raven Queen his holy symbol of the raven queen god i'm so bad at that it's my sister's fault for playing a male character because it's my sister my whole life has worked against me at this point Anyways, know so epi kneels down says wait wait i can help i can help and the magister's like what what are you doing he's dead i'm Clerk the raven queen i've got this he does his whole routine right of grabbing the diamond and making a show of you know sleight of hand concealing it as this plume of smoke appears then epi casts revivify you see the dad <sighs> come back to life. And he's still severely burned, so the minute he's back conscious, he's screaming.
1: I step in and I cast Healing Word to try and relieve some of the burns.
2: Sure. And because it's so soon after it happened, some quick healing between you and Epi and the Magister, he's probably going to have some burn scars, but he's going to be okay. And the pain is less now, but he's also obviously in shock.
1: Yeah, And my wild magic roll for Healing Word did not trigger anything, by the way, for my... Wild magic sorcerer role.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. You No, you just dodge a wild magic surge from me. The two girls break free of the guards because they're not being, like, restrained, right? They're kids. And nobody would restrain a child. That would be unheard of. They just charge over, Daddy! And they run over and, like, hug him. And, like, he shouts in pain, but he also, like, grabs them tight, you know? And their house is just on fire, gone. They might salvage it, but most of their house is going to be just a complete loss but they're alive and a few more minutes go by the dad is able to get his senses back and say that his wife passed away it's just them everybody's out of the house there's nobody else in there and then you see Effie kind of like ushering you guys away like Effie doesn't want to be there now come on we need to get going
1: no arguments from Brock Brock's ready to make his way back to the instrument shop
2: as you're making your way out the little girl wait mister she doesn't follow you guys but she's calling out specifically towards Epi but Epi just keeps on walking.
1: What an asshole.
2: Yeah, I know. Epi's just the worst.
1: I now Epi's doing the whole, like, noble cleric thing. Like, I'm just here to help. Disappears when you're done helping. Yep. Epi's like Batman. Batman, exactly.
2: I was really hoping that Steph would be around for the next time that somebody got resurrected. But you guys rolled on the encounter table. and That was the roll. So the dice have spoken. Anyway, you guys make your way to the magic shop. Or the instrument shop. Not the magic shop. That's a whole different discussion.
1: This was notably not a magical instrument <laughs> shop. They do not have an instrument that plays itself.
2: Yes. FPC sees the wall of trumpets and just shudders a little bit. Falls back in line. Yes. Hello. As you open the door and the little bell that goes ding-a-ding-a-ding. Can I help you?
1: Yes. I was playing my lute this morning and one of the strings broke. I was hoping you could bring string it for me.
2: Certainly. We're happy to provide any assistance needed repairing your instrument. Let me take a look. you give him your lute? Yep. Kay. You see the elf behind the counter just pause for a minute. There's a look of shock. Kind of looks at this really nice instrument, and then very deftly just restrings it. Right. Normally this is a very delicate process, but the elf acts with remarkable dexterity, and it's just done. The elf kind of hesitates for a minute, looks at the looks at you, hands it back, and says, "That'll be twenty gold, please."
1: No problem, I reach into my pocket, and I pull out 20 gold.
2: Takes it greedily, and he says, All right, thank you. Is there anything else I can do to help you?
1: Yeah, can you just explain why you charge so much to restring a loop?
2: That's the standard rate. I don't know what you're trying to imply, sir.
1: A room in this district at an inn overnight is one silver. You mean to tell me that it would cost 200 silver to have a single string redone on a guitar?
2: You are paying for my expertise... You're free to take it to any other instrument shop in the city and have them do it instead. But as the work is already done and you've already paid, our business is concluded.
1: I snap my fingers at Armbar. Ah, I'm calling my muscle in to give <laughs> this guy an attitude adjustment. you get a with this guy? Oh my. I think he knows something and he's not saying it. You're
2: a very big fellow. I'm listening. Please leave. That's I what you gotta right. That's what
0: you wanna tell me is to please leave?
2: Yes. I think you're talking to
0: the wrong fella. Looks like you lost your cup of coffee from the morning. And I'm gonna grab him by the shoulder. Oh shit. Alright. And pick him up.
2: What you gonna tell my partner over here? Something you're gonna keep in secret? Roll intimidation at advantage, because being very very aggressive. Sixteen.
1: No one messes with my blood son.
2: Listen, I'm sorry. I saw really rare, really expensive instrument. I overcharged. I didn't mean it. Here, take your money back. It's on the house. It's on the house. Don't worry about it. Please don't come back.
1: And so we leave, and now we just need to come up with a plan to deal with those bandits, assuming that there isn't going to be another meteor strike or a fire or... Anything wild magical? A jaywalker with three heads, I don't know. We haven't seen that yet.
2: Funny you should mention that, because the next encounter, no, (laughs) is a hydra, no. (laughs) It's a human hydra! Get up on the hydra's back! We sentenced him to beheading, and it was just... (laughs) So you guys make your way, I guess we back to the Bard Rock for now.
1: We just need to talk about a plan to deal with those bandits. So I know Epi knows roughly where the raids are coming. And Brock says, I have a plan. I think what we know we can do we can procure a wagon and we can ride along that path and look like we are traders that have supplies. And the bandits will come after us and we'll be able to lead them right to us that way. And mm-hmm. I'll get to jump out and crack some skulls.
0: I could be hiding inside the cart. Underneath, like a blanket or something, that'd be cool. Jump out. Wah-wah.
1: You and Armbar could both hide because Epi and I don't look very threatening, so we could be the ones I actually like driving like, the cart.
0: Armbar would be the best people too because like yeah. we could get the the sneak attack, and then Armbar yeah. could get the he's like a big guy.
1: If they see Armbar, they might be hesitant to jump us. So having the two most unassuming people riding the cart and steering it would be the way to go.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: The guy playing the old folk
1: music behind the scenes.
2: I can make myself look like a really old person. That way nobody will suspect that I'm really awesome. <laughs>
1: All right, so I like this plan. I wonder, do we know anybody who has a cart to borrow? Or should we just try and find Felix and ask if we can borrow a cart?
2: I mean, it's not hard to find a shop. But almost on cue, you're, you're walking out of the, the instrument shop and kind of making your way back towards wherever you're headed. You're kind of walking and talking. Felix kind of walks out of a, an alleyway. meeting you here. What's this about a cart? What's up, Felix? Hello, Rook. Always a pleasure to see you. Uh-huh.
1: Eppie was telling us that there are some bandits that had been stealing supplies coming in and out of the town, particularly healing supplies. Uh, we wanted to collect the bounty on them to pay the rest of our debt to you, and uh, I was hoping to use a cart to set up a trap where they'd try robbing us and we could stop them.
2: Oh, that sounds like a great idea, actually. There's a bounty on those bandits, so that would be a great way to pay back the rest of your debt to me. And I'm happy to help. Rook, do you remember our friend, the Noble? The Cabbage Cart, no? I do, indeed. I'm sure I can convince him to do me another favor and loan you his Cabbage Cart. He might even drive it. Sounds good. Wonderful. So, his name is Astro. We're going to go get him right now. Astro.
1: That is named after Astro, who is actually Stephanie, our editor. Yes, who is not here. Because Astro is her Twitter handle.
0: Oh, I was like Dog from the Jetsons?
1: like <laughs> it's actually astro Natur, i believe i hope i'm pronouncing that right steph isn't here to correct me on the pronunciation of her twitter handle everybody who interacted with the post asking for uh, character names i put on there i did not realize at the time i was putting stephanie on the list so there she goes
2: that's okay that's dope though so felix leads you further into the docks district to a little market square where you see astro peddling cabbages. They're looking kind of old at this point, right? Like, they haven't been selling fast enough, and so they're starting to get kind of questionable.
0: I thought you meant Astro.
1: Anyway, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah, everyone knows that Gnome's age remarkably fast. He's like at least 20 years older since you saw him two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) He
2: was younger then.
1: You know, he had a scare it took 10 years off his life. Yes. (laughs)
2: His eyes lock with you, Rook, and he's like, Oh! Hello! And then he sees Helix, he's like, Oh! Hello! Welcome! Can I interest you in some cabbage? Maybe? Give us all the cabbage you got, old man! Oh, wow! You are very large. I only need some cabbage soup, so what you got for sale? I have so much cabbage! I like a head of cabbage, please! And you see a little ethereal hand pluck a cabbage that's okay-ish out of the pile. And it just hovers over beside you. Armbar he's like, well, here's one of the best ones that I've got. Would you like to buy it? It's two copper. How come this is going a lot of rot on it? Are you holding out on me? There better be some good the cabbage. Listen, you see the product. Feel free to pick out a different one. I'm not hiding anything. There's the cart. It has all the cabbage on it. It's two copper a Feel free to pick out as many as you want. I'm happy to do business with you.
1: And Brock's just sitting there like, man, am I glad I'm not riding in the back of the cart with him.
2: It smells like old cabbage, too.
1: And meanwhile, Lambert's playing planning to eat it. Well, I was going to give it to Brock Song. <laughs> I'm going to buy the
0: ripest head of cabbage and give it to Brock Song as a present.
1: Driving a carriage full of cabbages—the instinct I have might deter the bandits from robbing us. Actually, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's a great idea, right?
0: (laughs) I'm still gonna do it for Bossong because I care about him.
2: Okay, so you you pay the two copper pieces and you purchase the cabbage. Thank you, sir, for your business. How about any of you? Do you like a cabbage, Felix? Cabbage? No, I'll pass. That's alright!
1: Buddy Brock song, this big head of cabbage. Here you go, boss! I hand over the cabbage. And I use press to make an appetizing looking cabbage.
2: Sure. It's still a ripe cabbage, but you think it probably'll taste okay.
1: Everyone knows I make the second best cabbage stew in the docks district. No, the three towers is slightly better, unfortunately.
2: They've been pressed to digitizing a little longer than you
1: have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna buy another one and give it to Rook.
2: Okay.
0: Here you go, Rook. I haven't given you many presents in my time, but I feel like this is a very good appreciation of my friendship to you. Hey, thanks, man. Rook takes it and looks around to see if there's a horse or a donkey or some other animal that might appreciate it.
2: There is actually Astro's horse just tied up nearby. That's it. Rook
0: goes right up to that horse and asks it.
2: As you offer the cabbage to the horse, the horse looks from your cabbage to the cart full of cabbage and looks physically ill at the thought. Aw, oh, buddy. <laughs> like, maybe this is all the horse has had.
1: And Brock's like, oh, good. I was going to have to sit behind that horse. <laughs> you know, that, the effect of that cabbage might by- <laughs> Rocket fuel... Been different if you ate it. It could have been. You
2: never know. Oh, Maybe before beforehand. They always did call me
1: Rocket Man. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because you're just not the man they thought you were back home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
2: always trying to be a chef back
1: at home. It
2: didn't work out. You probably could use more cabbage.
1: He's not allowed in the kitchen at the Bard Rock, actually.
2: You see Astro it Harmony won't let him out in there. Astro walks up to you, bar. And, you know, because Astro comes up to, like, your knee, he just reaches up and puts his hand on, like, your lower thigh and is like, don't let your dreams be dreams. Don't let your hand get too closer, young man! He snaps his hand back, sorry, you're very tall, I'm very short.
1: Anyway, we thought you might be able to lend us your cart for an afternoon.
2: Uh, I would rather not. And you see Felix... Well, I might take it as a compliment if you must borrow your cart. Well, he's not even looking at y'all anymore, he's looking at Felix, and Felix just crosses his arms and tilts his head a little bit, and he's like, I mean, of course, yeah, you can borrow my cart, anytime. Oh, uh, sure. Felix, not armbar.
1: No, you see, because armbar is there, Felix just passed an intimidation roll with advantage, that's what happened. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. Felix yeah. passed, passed the roll check, that's what it was. For sure. So, uh, what do you need it? What are you using it for? We are setting a trap for some bandits.
2: Oh, is that all? I feel like you should have led with that, if that was going
1: to... Well, I tried, but my friend is very interested in buying your cabbages, and they are excellent cabbages. I I, I thought not were They're good for stew. If the Bard Rock was still in working condition, I would have bought your whole stock to make cabbage stew the special of the week. But unfortunately, I am currently building lists so...
2: Felix kind of pipes in, Don't worry, it'll be well compensated if anything happens to your cart. Right? Uh, okay. So, go ahead and take the cart, and I'll take my horse and go home. At which point, Felix stops and is like, Well, here's the thing, Astro. We need your horse to pull the cart, and we need you to drive the cart because your horse doesn't like anyone else. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, I'm
1: sure. I'm gonna whisper in Brock Song's ear, I don't think this jabroni knows what he's getting himself into. I think he knows exactly what he's getting himself into, and that's why he's acting this way.
2: I think he's about to find out. Am I gonna have protection?
1: I just point at Armbar.
2: Ooh, yeah! Roll an Intimidation check.
1: (laughs) Intimidation
2: check to show you can protect him?
1: Yes. Oh, a 19.
2: He actually looks visibly more comfortable at the thought that Armbar is going to be fighting on his side. I get muscles
0: on my muscles. I get muscles on my eyeballs.
2: We got muscles all around. That sounds uncomfortable but I'm happy to have on my side on this entirely voluntary journey that we're undertaking together.
1: Just remember who's team teen- you're on little
2: man. I am very reliable. Just ask Rook. We work really well together already.
1: Yeah. See? That is the most shiny recommendation you can get from Rook. <laughs> he,
2: he looks like distressed and then okay as you say that in
1: response to Rook just, yep. You, you see how her thumb moved up slightly? That was the Rook thumbs up. <laughs>
2: Felix claps his hands. Lovely. All right. I'll leave you guys to it. Best of luck. Keep me informed. I'll see you first thing in the morning if I don't hear from you soon. Okay.
1: We walk Astro through the plan, and we load up the cart with presumably a bunch of empty crates and barrels.
2: Well, he stops you from loading stuff onto his cart. He says, all right, so, listen, listen. I'm going to show you a secret, a trick to the trade, all right? And I need you to just not tell anybody, okay?
1: I am great at keeping secrets.
2: I believe you. He doesn't move. He slaps his cart, and he says something in gnomish. Does anybody speak
1: gnomish? I don't.
2: Okay, doesn't. So, he says something in gnomish, and in place of where all the cabbages were, you see an empty cart. And you see him reach into the cart and pull out a cabbage, like it's just pulling out of an illusion. Let push the cabbage back in. You can't smell the cabbages anymore, either. Just, all right, so I can make it look like anything at all. So just tell me what you want it to look like, and I'll make it look like that. But let's maybe wait till we're closer.
1: What we need to look like is an entire cart full of healing supplies. Uh-huh. That's what the bandits have been stealing. We want them to think that they're stealing healing supplies. All right,
2: that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah. All right, okay, we can do that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, and he's, like, really nervously just, like, getting up into the cart as he's stringing his horse up to the cart. Well, are you riding in the back or up here with me? I don't think you're all gonna fit up here with me. I'm pretty small, but, like, he's pretty big, and, like, there's only so much room. Like, you might have to get in with the cabbages. I'm sorry. I know it's a little... But, like, it's just gotta be that way. It's just gotta be that way, okay? But if you're in the back, they're not gonna see you because of the illusion, okay? So we just, we gotta go together... And you're going to pretend like you're not here unless you're up here with me.
1: And he's going to ride up front with you. I point to Epi who presumably is in old man form now.
2: Yeah. Well, Epi is going to wait until y'all are a little closer to where the bandits are and then become an old man.
1: I wasn't sure because Eppy doesn't like people knowing that they can cast Ultra Self. That's why I yeah. assumed.
2: Right now, there's just...
1: Also, Eppy doesn't look that intimidating in their default form yeah, either, so... This
2: little twig of a person gets up there with Astro, and Astro's like, You sure you don't want the big guy? Because the big guy's intimidating, right? Like...
1: Well, we don't want them to think that we can defend ourselves, because then they won't try and rob us.
2: Right. So the goal is to get robbed. I knew that. I did. I did know that. Okay. So we're sending, like, the least intimidating people up here too. Listen, I can be really intimidating,
1: right? Er.
2: I look super scary if I want to, so maybe I should ride in the back, in the illusion.
1: will your horse listen to one of us?
2: I, maybe.
1: Because Felix said they wouldn't, that's why you were riding up front.
2: Uh, okay. I'll ride up front.
0: Come on, Armbar. let's get in the back of this thing.
1: Wait, let's keep our
2: heads down. Sounds good. So yeah, the illusion is a 15 by 15 cube, basically, that travels with the cart. And inside that cube, the cart and the contents of the cart can look like whatever you want. Right now it just looks like an empty cart. And anything inside the illusion, it's sight and smell.
0: Well, right now it's it's full of grade A <laughs> oh, beef. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, anybody that pokes their head through the side of the illusion would see a cart full of cabbage and like arm bar. <laughs> Pretty much.
1: Meanwhile, Epi has very, very skillfully hidden inside the cabbages. Epi is? They're not Eppy Rook. I misspoke. Oh, yeah. Epi's riding up front as part of the illusion. Okay. I was gonna say. Okay.
2: So you guys make your way...
1: Alright, you so way. Are, we, are we hidden within yeah, us? You are
2: currently hidden. You don't need to make any checks or anything. Like, as long as you're quiet, you're hidden. And the cart... Sorry, I was just gonna say I'm gonna have my weapon drawn. That's all.
1: Yeah, Brock will have his guitar drawn. Okay.
2: Your freshly strung yes. guitar. So you guys make your way up north through the city streets. Nothing of interest really happened you do make your way past another temple on the main thoroughfare and this one also has just a large group of people looking to get healing and there not being enough supplies to go around but you just make your way past at a regular speed eventually you make your way out of the north side of the city you're on the road and you know very shortly you'll probably be where the bandits are and that's where we're going to end this episode tonight
0: Okay, you listen to Bard Rock Cafe. Get on to SassyGamers.com and listen to more episodes. And become a patron. I'll read your cards. Do it. Patreon.com slash Bard Rock Cafe. Till next time.